Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. What's up, marketing besties? Thanks for tuning back into another episode of the Marketing Hill Match, where we rehash some of the boldest takes from marketing's hottest minds. Let's dive right into this week's episode with a flashback to one of my favorite talks with Peter Mahoney, host of The Next CMO, who spills all the tea behind marketing analytics. So what's the one Marketing Hill he would die on? Quit trying to make detailed attribution happen. It's never going to happen. Here's why. I previewed this before. Attribution doesn't work. How should marketers measure marketing in the high-level way that is not like just relying on an attribution model? Yeah, and to put a more precise point on it, the hyper-focused, super-detailed attribution is the problem, is that people try to measure each individual track tactic. And the best thing to do is, because the reality is there are lots of little things that interact to deliver outcome to your campaigns, try to distill things up to a higher level so you can group together all of the outcomes and measure things at the campaign level. That's, in my mind, the best thing to do. It, it does beg the question, what is a campaign? And that's something that is another thing that I fight people about all the time. The reality is that a campaign isn't sending out an email. A campaign is a broad set of activities that are targeted at achieving a set of outcomes for your goals. So every marketing organization should have a, a finite number of campaigns are running at any given time. I just interviewed on my podcast, the CMO of National Instruments, you know, multi-billion dollar company, they have six campaigns. So that's the level you should be thinking about measuring, not down at the, now obviously you got to measure and optimize each individual thing, but as far as looking at total economic performance, I just make sure you're measuring at a high enough level to make sure you can account for all of the interactions that happen underneath it. Networking is hard. It's intimidating, but building your network is one of the highest leverage things you can do as a marketer. And that's why I'm stoked to show you what Gigi Robinson had to say about how you can network more effectively. Hint, it has something to do with networking like you have nothing to lose. I love networking. I mean, that's how like, I think we got connected in the first place is because I'm extremely persistent. And I reach out to people, I shoot my shot, I just go for it. And the amount of things that I've gotten just because I've put myself in a position of like humility, where I'm like, hey, I'm going to just ask. And if somebody says yes, they say yes. And that's amazing. And you never know what that could lead to. And if they say no, like, so what? Like, move on with your life. I have reached out to so many amazing people on LinkedIn. And as a result, now I'm about to have potentially a dream partnership for next year that it comes full circle, like with Nikon. And 
I literally get like almost teary about this because when I first started my journey, I started shooting with my dad's Nikon camera. Um, I got a Nikon Coolpix as like a Christmas gift when I was you know a kid just to start shooting and really nurture those creative juices. And now that I talk about mental health and chronic health issues online on top of talking about tech and products like this, and I'm able to create my own dream partnership all because I was on LinkedIn talking about camera gear and talking about mental health at the same time. And it caught the eye of somebody at on the Nikon team. She then like friended me and we started talking and then we got on the phone and she was basically like, yeah, design your dream partnership and hit my line and we'll see what we can do for next year. And that's just like, you literally never know. You literally never know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, networking in person and online is the hill that I will die on. (laughs) We all knew those people back in school. The people who would look over at other people's tests to check if their answers were the same. Well, those same people are doing that in business. But if you keep trying to copy other brands' playbooks, Eventually, your brand is just going to look like a big pile of nothing. I'm going to get off my soapbox and let Val Geisler take the lead. People new in fields love to lean on playbooks, like frameworks and industry standards. Those are really great foundational pieces. But my advice is like take those things that work for you, that resonate with you from those playbooks and frameworks and then leave the rest, right? Like you don't have to take the playbook from another brand and apply it 100% directly to your brand. It's not going to work that way because that's the playbook from another brand. And even if you like, if you worked somewhere else and saw a really successful win, you can bring elements of that to your new role, but you really need to think about what pieces are the most important for this audience, for this role, this work that I'm doing, and let everything else from that playbook or framework go. So you might borrow one piece, and that's like a huge winning piece. But if you try to apply the entire framework word for word, it's not going to work out. So take what works and then leave the rest and make it your own. You know, that's how these things evolve over time. If we're all just copying each other, then our customers are going to start to notice too. Yeah. The last point of the customer note is great, but also like people don't realize that sometimes when you're copying, it's like they already have a team in place that are resourced to execute that framework. That's one. Yeah. I mean, I used to get like, as a consultant, I would get people who would come to me and say, we want emails like Glossier. Like, okay, cool. Do you have a 10-person email marketing team? Do you have the resources to hire the graphic designers that they use? And so it's not that you want emails like Glossier. What is it about Glossier's emails and their strategy for email that make you attracted to them? And being able to pull out those pieces and and identify them and then apply to the way you're going to do it. Yeah, and then the one thing that you just said as well is like, what is resonating in that with those emails that could resonate with your audience? Because your audience is not 
going to be the same as Glossier. It's like Glossier has attracted some sort of audience. Like maybe you're going into the same sector as them, but like if you try to do what Glossier is doing, you're just going to be Glossier and you're not going to win. So you have to figure out how to be different and be, to attract the audience a different way. So. If you want to create trust with your team, a swag bag with stress balls, baked chips with a label that says you're all of that plus a bag of chips, and a pizza party are not the right moves. Jellyfish CMO Kyle Lacey thinks marketing should always play a part in internal processes. Are you doing it right? Let's see. Marketing should always be involved in the internal, the development of the the culture of the company. I think there are times where talent, people in talent will hire agencies to do work around design or like mission, vision, values, and not really consult marketing on the onboarding and like employee gifts. And marketing should always be involved because it's about surprising and delighting people. I mean, that's what marketing is, in my opinion, right? Other than you know, making sales easier for sales. It's how do you surprise and delight the prospects? How do you surprise and delight the customer? How do you surprise and delight the employee? And I've been very lucky that three companies that I've worked for have been good at all three of those. Exact Target, Salesforce, Lessonly. If you knock all three of those out of the park, it's just easier to build a great company. And you and I could probably wax poetic about 20 companies that we think do this well. But I find it off-putting when a company has great external marketing and their internal culture looks like uh, uh, afterthought. Design, the culture page on the website, the new employee gift, the onboarding process, like all of it. I remember I worked with the CMO who would write the JDs and stuff like that. He would like help with and but The JDs are like the best JDs I've ever read. That's a great example because if you have a bunch of people writing their own JDs, they most of the time just read like crap. You want to get creative. You want the brand to shine through. You want the story to be told and marketers are good at it. We think about it all the time. Thanks so much for listening. Keep tuning in to hear more great insights from the coolest marketers from around the world. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and follow the Marketing Millennials podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, I would greatly appreciate you giving us a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community. 